Faith Christian Worship Center presents the teaching ministry of Pastor Heather Ardwin. Last Sunday, we kind of opened the door for what God is going to do in this new year. The word that God gave us was that we were going to take a stand in 2014 and that while we stood, we would see a greater glory than we have ever seen before. Everything that God encompasses, everything that he has, I believe with everything on the inside of me is being poured out in this year. We have not seen anything yet. He said that the times up until now were just preparation times. Amen. But now, praise the Lord, we're getting into a time of his glory, greater glory, greater anointing. I believe we're going to see more miracles. Amen. Um, Pastor Aaron Cody was preaching this weekend, and she said uh, the title of her message was Supernatural or superficial. Thank you. Supernatural or superficial. And she said that Jesus said, it, said himself, he said, if these signs don't follow me, don't believe me. He said that. He said, if these signs don't follow me, don't believe in me. And he, she said that, the, that it's still the same. The, the qualification for Christians, for pastors, for preachers of the gospel, anybody who says they believe in Jesus, it's the same. These signs should be following. Amen. And people naturally are drawn to the supernatural, which is why Jesus said they would follow you. Amen? And so in 2014, I believe we're going to see more than, more than we have ever seen before. I believe we talked about last week, people have had enough with being pushed around by the enemy. Amen? They have had enough. We, we said this, um, I forget, the Duck Commander people. What is it? Duck Dynasty. Okay. I don't watch it. I, I never get to really watch TV. And so, um, I don't know, it's just not at the top of my playlist. And so, but I know other people do, and I kind of researched with what was going on. And the fact that the church, I have never seen the people of God stand up like they did for this whenever this man was provoked into answering a question. They don't have to provoke me. I'll answer it no matter what. You don't like it? Oh, well, praise the Lord. But here this man was provoked. They asked him a question on an interview. He answered it. He answered the question about what he believed to be true and what the Bible said. He quoted the Bible, and because of that, they, they gave him the boot off of this television program, suspended him indefinitely, am I correct? Suspended him indefinitely, and I have never seen the church rise up the way that they had enough. It's like they said, this is it. We're not sitting back and say, I mean, they were ready to boycott television. Forget about A&E. They were ready to quit TV. They quit. The people started saying, you know, then the Cracker Barrel people took their stuff out of, the, out of their little country store. So people said, we're not eating a Cracker Barrel anymore. Cracker Barrel took such a hit from the church, from Christians not going. They said, well, we're so sorry we did that. We misunderstood something. We're going to put it back. Could you imagine that if Christians would stand like that in 2014 about everything that the enemy tries to introduce to this generation? I mean, I said last week, we go all the way back to 1973, Roe v. Wade, and start reversing things. Amen. Remember what Roe v. Wade? Yes, that's when abortion was legalized, right? And so now... You know, the devil, he wants to take it further and further every single time. He's never happy with just saying, okay, you can have an abortion if you want to. Now they want to force you to pay for it. Did you know that? They want to force you to buy insurance that pays for not only partial, but almost full-term abortions. Oh, yeah, read the fine print. Then they want to legalize it for your school, your public school, Count, uh, student, what you call it, Counsel, counselors, thank you, guidance counselor, to issue a morning after pill in case a kid thinks they get themselves into trouble. And they want to force you to pay for it. And so I believe, and th this thing, this has been going on for months. God has been giving me this word when I prayed about 2014. He just gave me that one word. He said, stand. I said, well, that doesn't say a whole lot. Stand, okay, I'm standing. He said, stand, and he kept giving me little bits and pieces. You're going to see more than you've ever seen. You're going to experience more than you've ever experienced. It's going to unfold right in front of your face. But you're going to have to stand with me and stand against the enemy. And there's not going to be any gray areas, and there's not going to be any in-betweens, and there's not going to be any hot, uh, any lukewarm. You're either going to be hot or cold. 
I'm telling you that in 2014, there's not going to be any playing church, any religious, you know, uh, legalistic um, mess and nonsense. I just go to church so everybody can see me. And I, you know, uh, I, I don't do what I don't do anything in public because I don't want anybody to see me. But you never hear anything about a love for Jesus or a passion for his cause. Amen. But in, 2000, in 2014, that's about to change. And for those who are willing to stand, I said for those who are willing to stand, for those who are willing to get serious, somebody say I'm going to get serious about God this year. And I'm talking about getting serious about God, right? And you say, well, just because I get serious about God doesn't mean I have to get serious about the church. Well, who do you think designed the church? You need to study your word. Who designed the church? And if somebody, if everybody thought like you, where would you have been the day you needed to walk through those doors and be delivered? Thank God we're not raising up a bunch of people who think like you. And so I believe that in 2014, God is looking for some people who will be serious about what he's serious about. He is serious. And it's not about a building. And it's not just about showing up. It's about getting involved. It's about putting your hands to the plow. It's about making it about somebody else besides yourself. It's about standing with God on the things that he wants you to stand on and holding your ground, come on, and not giving it over to the enemy anymore and not losing ground every year. Every year you hear kids say, man, it's just you don't understand. It's so much worse than when you were in school. And then you hear parents say, I don't even want to send my kids to school anymore. It's getting so bad. I I don't know what to do anymore. We're going to stand and we're going to take our ground back. That's what we're going to do. And quit running scared and putting our tail between our legs and saying, you know what? We'll just let the devil have that. No, he didn't say the earth was the devil's and the fullness thereof. He said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It doesn't belong to him. He can't have my city. He can't have my family. He can't have the schools in this city. He can't have its businesses. He can't have my church people. You ought to get that in your mind and say in 2014, I'm going to stand. I am going to stand with Jesus every step of the way, and I'm going to see his glory. Don't you know that's what you saw in this little duck person people thing? All of a sudden, the glory of God hit that place, and they said, listen, we're sorry. The voice of the church became louder than the voice of the world, and they had to back down. Come on. They had, they had people in the homosexual community rising up and saying, well, maybe they're right about it. We shouldn't shut him up. Praise the Lord. He'll make your enemies agree with you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I mean, get it through your thick skull what God wants to do. And he wants to use you to do it. But you're going to have to value what he values. In 2014, you're going to have to value what he values. He values church. He values the body of Christ. Amen. What you value, you invest in. I bet you that you don't want to walk everywhere you go. I'd venture to guess, some of you do not live close to the church. I don't live that far and I'm not walking. Amen. (laughs) Amen. But could you imagine? But I bet that you take care of your vehicle. I bet that you bring it to have the oil changed. I bet that if it has a flat tire, you change it. Or you have somebody else change it, in my case. But you're not just going to let it sit there and fall apart and rust and never maintain it, never take it to have it maintenanced. Why? Because you invest in what you value. You value your ability to drive from one place to another. And so you will never let that thing go. You will never let it go. Right? Your house, you're not going to leave candles burning all over the place. Leave the stove on. Your flat iron. Praise the Lord. I have to literally say out loud before I leave the house. I tell everybody. I just want to let everybody know I turned my flat iron off. Because I'll walk out and forget that I did it anyway. And then I'll have to say, drive me back. I can't remember. Anyway, praise the Lord. He's renewing my mind. Glory to God. So you don't do that. You don't do those things. You maintain your home, right? 
because you hopefully you do you you pay the rent you pay the mortgage because you'd like to keep it if you do not pay it they will come and take it from you right and so you do those things because you invest in what you value and in 2014 you better decide what you value because what you value your children are going to value Oh, I can't get no good amens in this quiet church, but it's okay. What you value, your children will value. You value your relationship with Jesus above every relationship in your life? Guess what? Your children are going to, they will respect you for it. No, you're not going to spend the night because you're not going to want to wake up and come to church Sunday morning. So you're going to stay here, and I don't care if you don't like it, you're going to get up and put a smile on your face, and you're going to get dressed, and you're going to look presentable to go to church Sunday morning. And everybody else is going to think that that's the best thing that's ever happened to you. Or you will not play a game. You will not watch TV. You will value your relationship with Jesus above every other relationship in your life. Or it's going to be very hard on you to value anything else if you can't ever see anyone else. Amen. Oh, that's kind of harsh. No, you're teaching them to value their relationship with Jesus above every other relationship in their lives. You're teaching them what I'm sure you would have wished somebody would have taught to you. Not just, not just religion. Come on, they'll get happy about it once they get here. Once they get in the glory, come on. They'll get happy about it. They'll jump right in. They'll begin to want it and, inspect it and expect it. And like Dalen said today, crave it. 16-year-olds don't sing like that unless they have a relationship with Jesus. And I'm not talking about talent. I'm talking about anointing. Amen. So this year, you're going to have to purpose in your heart to bring them to a place where they value what God values, where you value what God values above everything else. I want to go camping, but I know that if I go camping, then I'm going to miss out on what God wants to do. And I know that even if my life is good enough where I can go camping every weekend, I also know that somebody else's life is not that good. And they need me to add my supply so that their life can get to where it needs to be. So as badly as I would like to just take a Sunday off and get away and not go to church, because only religious people think they have to go to church every Sunday. Am I saying you can, no, I love to vacation. Don't send me on a cruise. I dare you to. <laughs> Don't send me to Italy. I dare you to. Double dog dare you to. I'm going for two whole weeks, count them, 14 days, one and four, one and four. If I'm going to Italy, I'm not coming back in three days' time. <laughs> right? But you don't see me missing church. You don't see it. Why? Not because I think that God is going to smite me if I don't walk through the doors of the church, but because I value him above everything else. I value him above all else. Amen. Praise the Lord. That was for free. So in 2014, God is telling us, has spoken to us a word as a church that we are to stand with him. And so we said, we talked about what that word stand meant because so many times people read the scripture and uh, like Jay Hoskins says, don't take me down the road, you always go down, right? Because you read the scripture and you think you're well versed in it. And so you think, well, I already know, you know, having done all to do, I stand. And so a lot of people think that you just got to kind of balance yourself through the storm and do your best not to fall apart. But that's not what that word means at all. That word, and that's what I was taught that it meant. Well, baby, when you've done all you know how to do, when you've prayed, when you've given, when you've been faithful, you just stand, baby. You just stand. You said, just, just try to hold yourself up the best you can. And Jesus, he might not be early, but he'll be right on time. You know, that's that church and ease I'm talking to y'all about right now. That's church and ease. That's church lingo. That's its language. It has, did you know it has its own language? You talk to people in church and ease. That's why they look at you like this. They don't understand a word. I'm blessed and highly favored. What in the world is highly favored? Think about it. You just assume people know. 
And so you see people, it's a, it's a Facebook quote, having done all to do. When you've done all you know to do, just stand. Well, what in the world does it mean to stand? What in the world am I supposed to be doing? Can I grip something? Because this storm is coming through. What am I supposed to do? How am I so And then he doesn't just tell you to stand once. He tells you three times. And then he tells you not only do you have to stand, but you have to withstand. Withstand, which means the enemy is about to really come at you, right? But he said, you're not just going to stand. You're going to have to withstand. And so I started whenever he gave me that word and he gave me that scripture. I said, okay, I'm not telling these people in 2014 that all you have to do is stand, baby. I know it's been rough. I know it's been tough. I know it's been hard. Just bear down. People have told me that. Bear down. When the winds are going to blow over. No, the winds are going to stop. Amen. I'm going to surf on those winds. But they, I'm not going to bear down. And wait for it to almost blow me away and be thankful at the end of it when it didn't. Because that's not what Jesus did. Come on, in the middle of the storm, what did he do? He walked on water. I mean, the winds were crashing. The waves were crashing. They were blowing. Everybody was scared. The disciples were trembling in their boot sandals. Boot sandals. It's a new word. <laughs> And Jesus was walking on the water. He's chilling. He's like, mm, I like it. It's a nice breeze. He wasn't moved by it. He wasn't barely standing. His knees weren't wobbling. Just make it, Jesus. Just make it. The winds will stop. Do you understand what I'm telling you right now? Because that's how we get through life. That's how we, we think we have to get through life. But no, Jesus said, I'm going to just walk on these things. They're going to serve me. These waves are going to serve me. This wind, it's going to serve me. I'm going to get to where I'm going quicker. Amen. So what does it mean to stand? Let's read that, and then we're going to move on. Because today we're going to learn how to stand up for our marriage. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to break this year down little by little by little, every single thing that we know the enemy comes against, and we are going to teach you. The Holy Ghost is going to teach us how to stand with God. Amen? And so this scripture, verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Verse 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Amen. Verse 14, he's repeating himself an awful lot. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Amen. So what did he do? We love the, the put on the whole armor of God part, but we skip over the part. He only tells you to put on the full armor of God once, but he tells you to stand three times. He tells you to withstand once. So what does that word stand mean? We learned last week that in the Greek, the word, that word stand actually means one translation says do not break covenant. Do not break covenant. It does not mean to waddle on through. It does not mean to barely make it through. It does not mean to cry your way through. It does not mean to moan and groan your way through. It does not mean to complain your way through. It means to stand and see the glory of God by not breaking covenant. Right? Because he cannot, it's impossible for him to let go of you. It's impossible. He could not do it even if he wanted to. Even if you got on his very last nerve, he could not break covenant with you. Praise the Lord. I'm sure you get on his nerves. If he knows you like I I'm just kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Kind of. So, I'm sure I get on his nerves. My goodness. Ushers. 
We don't let those cons on the front row. Okay, so <laughs> kidding. She's my sister. So he's gripping you. He's gripping you. And he's not telling you stand and be a weakling. I mean, you are holding the hand of God himself. I, I mean, wrap your brain around that. You are not weak. You are not failing. You are not, you are not just whimpering. You're not a, a scrawny little wimp. Come on. You're holding the hand of God through this thing. I mean, there is glory all around you. There is grace and mercy for you every single day. And he's saying, don't break covenant. Don't break covenant. Don't break whatever you do. Don't break covenant. Whatever you do, don't let go. Don't break covenant. Whatever you do, Peter, keep your eyes on me. Whatever you do, Peter, just walk on the water. It's here to serve you, Peter. It's here to, it's here to serve you. You're not, you're not subject to it, Peter. It's subject to you. Don't break covenant, Peter. Don't let go. Don't let go. Don't take your eyes. Don't get distracted, Melissa. Don't get distracted, Kivas. Don't break covenant. Just stand. The ground is firm for you there, and all you need is there. And by standing, you're going to withstand against the enemy. What does that mean? You're going to come in covenant with God, and you're going to break any relationship you have with him. I'm going I'm to reaffirm, secure my covenant with Jesus. Amen? That covenant that says he protects, he provides, he sees you through. The covenant that says you are always triumphant in Christ. Amen. By this you have overcome your faith. Hallelujah. Do not break covenant. Whatever you do, don't get off into the enemy's territory. Isn't that what we do? Right? Isn't that what Peter did? Walking on water, all of a sudden he freaks out. He starts to sink. Broke it. Did Jesus break it? No. The same thing you were walking on before, you're walking on right now. You have the potential right now. Do not break covenant. You should take that into every area of your life. When the enemy starts hitting you, you start rejoicing. You say, if somebody's going to break covenant, it's not going to be me. Amen. If somebody's going to walk away, it's not going to be me. If somebody's going to barely make it, it's not going to be me. If somebody's going to quit, it's not going to be me. And Jesus isn't quitting on me, and I'm not quitting on him. I will not break covenant. Hallelujah. So that word stand does not mean what we've always been taught that it meant, just to kind of barely get through, shaky knees, wobbly knees, barely making it, come on, hoping, wishing, thinking, come on. It means you're not only making it, you're walking with the one who's paved the way. You're walking with the one who's made the way plain before you. But you're going to have to make some decisions in 2014. You're going to have to make a decision of whose side you're on. Amen? You're going to have to decide whose side you're on, who you're standing with. Hallelujah. I gave some scriptures last week. Uh, anytime that he talks about the word stand, anytime he gives the command to stand, he gives you promises with it. I'm going to give those to you again. Exodus 14, 13. Uh, and I know that I'm going quickly because I'm kind of covering some ground from last week to take us into this new week. Amen. And so he said, Exodus 14, 13. Uh, he told the Israelites to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Second Chronicles 20, 17. He told them to stand still and deliverance would come. Hallelujah. Matthew 24, 12, and 13, he said, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of, the, of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Hallelujah. So he said, salvation's coming, deliverance is coming, and victory's coming. Hallelujah. When you learn how to stand, amen. When you learn how to stand in covenant, I will not be distracted. I will not be tempted out of my place. I will not be tempted to not believe or to get into worry and unbelief. Come on and despair. I'm standing and holding fast to my covenant. Amen. Hallelujah. So in a time and in a culture and a generation that has redefined marriage and put it in the same category of importance as buying a new house or a new car, right? That's about as important as marriage is to people these days. Same, they, it holds the same weight as going buy a new Nissan or buy your first home. Holds about the same weight. It's what this generation is being taught, but I believe it's being turned around in 2014. I guarantee you it's going to be turned around 
what we stand for. The church is given a voice for a reason. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Amen. The church was put here to run things. Amen. Hallelujah. Not for the government. I mean, think about what the government of the United States was established on. It was established upon the principles of God. Amen. Who taught them the principles of God? The church. Amen. So in a time when, and in a culture and a generation that has redefined marriage and put it in the same category of importance as buying a new house or a car, God is looking to raise up people who will have a revelation of its significance and divine design. Amen. Your marriage or your future marriage, come on, even if you're not married, Pastor Mark said something so good last night. He said, if you're single and you're looking for a spouse, you ought to look for Jesus in them first. Oh, well, I know that already. Well, he said, if a person has not served the Lord for a length of time or has served God and then quit, served God and then quit, guess what they're going to do to you? Because if they can't be faithful to Jesus, they can't be faithful to you. That was lanyap. That was extra. That was for free. God bless you. Amen. So no missionary dating, right? People say that all the time. Well, my boyfriend said he would come to church with me. Well, why is he not already in church? And why are you going to have to pastor your future husband? Amen. You say, well, you're the pastor of your husband. No, I am not. My husband is my leader. And I follow him, submit to him wholly and completely. And don't get it twisted that just because I'm the one behind the microphone and think that I'm running things. Amen. It is not that way. Glory to God. We do things together. Amen? So he's looking for somebody who will have a revelation of, of marriage's significance and divine design who will stand for and by standing for, fight for the covenant and plan designed by God through marriage. In October of 2013, we were having prayer here at the church, and so uh, God gave us a word in October. I was looking back over my journal, and he told me this. He said, uh, I'm going to use you to win this city. I'm going to use this church to win this city. I said, God, how are you going to do that? How, I, it's so, it seems so big. It seems like such a big job. And, and I'm going to tell you the truth. I mean, whenever you're from a city, then God sends you back to it. It's even harder. When you were born and raised here and you know the dirt and the, and the grime of everything, it, it's hard to, you know, and then you like, people just don't want it. it. It's so hard because you go to other places and they are desperate. Or so it seems on the outside looking in. But then you come to Eunice, you live here, you were born and raised here, and you see the same old people doing the same old things, and you're thinking, I have the answer you're looking for. I have him right now. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost right now. You don't need a 12-step program. You don't, you don't need, you don't need uh, to go to a hospital and leave your family for six months. The Holy Ghost can set you free right now. No questions asked. You will never desire that junk again. Amen. And you look at it and you just see not, you see this. You're thinking, I have this answer. I mean, this place should be bulging at the seams, right? Like we should be breaking out right now. Praise the Lord. The day is coming, but they didn't do it for Jesus either. There were multitudes, but my God, there were also multitudes standing there wanting to have him arrested and beaten and killed. Amen. Praise the Lord. So he told me, he said, We're, you're going to win this city. And I said, how are you going to do that? I can't, I can't do it. How are you going to do it? He said, I'm going to start with marriages and families first. Never heard that word before, ever. Never was a thought in my mind. You know, I'm thinking, revival, you know. I can preach. I can preach all day. We could do this all day long. He said, no, we're going to pray for marriages. We're going to pray for families. We're going to see strong, godly men stand up and take their place. He said, and I'm going to use you to do it. I was like, God, why would you use a woman? Why would you use a woman to strengthen marriages and, and, and bring men, strong, godly men in who are going to stand for their families and be the priests of their home? He said, I use foolish things to confound the wise. Amen. I'm okay with it. Glory to God. So started moving forward. That's what we're going to do. Amen. We're going to see it restored, and when God does it in you, you'll help somebody else. Amen. Hallelujah. So this week we'll be teaching on how to take a stand for your marriage. And also as we begin fasting for the new year, we want you to be a part of that. Amen. So God's definition of marriage, in case y'all needed an update, God's definition of marriage. We are going to start 
from the bare minimum. Because remember what I said, you just think everybody's on the same level as you. And so you think that people come in and they're all churched, right? Church of fried. And you think that they're really established in, in the things of God and they're not. They're not. They get married because it's the right thing to do. They get married because it's the next step. And I love you and you love me and we're going to live happily ever after. And everything is so... And so then, right? So, so then now I, I just I want to wake up and look at your face. And I, I don't want to be in sin. So, right? I'm, I'm telling you the truth. That's why people get married these days. I don't, I don't want to be in sin. I don't want people to talk about me, but I want to wake up next to you. So um, let's get married, right? Or I don't want to pay two notes. It makes sense. Get married, have one house note, one, <laughs> my course pays for her, right? And so that's the concept. So the next step is, oh, well, let's get married. So we want to establish a foundation, of what, what does God think about marriage? What is it to him? Amen. And what does he expect from you as a husband? What does he expect from us ladies as a wife? And then how are we going to fight for it? And of course, we're not going to cover all that ground in one week. We might not cover it in two weeks or three weeks, but we're not going to stop until God does his thing. Amen. So we're going to start this week with talking about uh, the God's definition of marriage because you can't stand for what you do not understand. You can't stand up for something you don't understand the principles of. You don't understand the foundation of. Amen. So in case we're not clear, and it's not very popular to say this these days, but praise the Lord, popularity has never been my strong suit. So marriage is between one man and one woman. Are we clear on that? It is between one man and one woman. Do I not love people who are married to the same sex? Absolutely, I love them. I love them. I pour into them, but I will not change the gospel for anyone, including myself. When God doesn't like something about me, he demands that it changes, and I have a choice of whether or not I change it, right? And if I don't change it, it's called sin. There's no way to beat around the bush. It is what it is, right? And so marriage is defined by the word of God to be between one man and one woman. Let's look at Genesis 2.24. When you're there, say amen. Genesis, first book in the Bible. Chapter 2 comes right after chapter 1. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. Man, we already got you right there. That's a whole lesson right there. My God. Mainly, it could just say, leave your mama and your mama. <laughs> leave your father. <laughs> Favor your wife's cooking above your mother's. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. Favor your wife's approval above your mother's. Y'all don't, it, y'all doesn't say that? Amen. Y'all laughing. Anybody married in here? It takes a while. Some of the ladies are like, praise God. You might hear something about yourself in a minute. Glory to God. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So I'm pretty sure the Spirit of God, we know that every word in this Bible is uttered by the Spirit of God, so we're pretty certain that if God wanted to say that you could be married to a man, it would say that. And if God wanted you to say that a woman could be married to a woman, it would say that, right? He didn't mince words about anything else. So we're pretty certain that he didn't mince them about that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are you thankful you know how it works now? Let's look at Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 5. Matthew 19, verses 4 through 5. Anybody ready to take a stand in 2014? Hallelujah. Anybody stirred to stand up for what God stands up for in 2014? Hallelujah. So it says, And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? That's pretty clear. And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. There we are again. Leave your mama and your mama. 
and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then, they are no longer two, but they are one. Hallelujah. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Hallelujah. So number one, we know that marriage is between a man and a woman. We know that there's potential separation because he tells you, don't let it happen, right? And he tells you that you're going to have to leave what's always been comfortable to you and what's always been, why did he say that? Because that's a security. It's a security. But now it's time for you to lead and not follow, for you to nurture and not be nurtured. Amen? So he said, let not, let not man separate what God has joined together, which means there is a potential and there will be an active uh, pursuit to separate, and we're about to end, an active pursuit to separate what God has joined together. Amen? So, according to these scriptures, marriage is a union that God brings and joins together between one man and one woman, and that union is so powerful that it causes two people to become as one. That union, and I, I tell people this all the time, you have got to un understand how strong covenant is. So much so that you are careful about any word you ever speak, right? Because he said, let not man separate what God has joined together. So you know, wives, how you like to do whenever you're having trouble with your spouse, women in particular, um, because they have itchy ears, and you like to feel validated. You like to feel like you're right. And if you can't get that from your husband, you'll go looking somewhere else to get it, usually from a friend who's not even really a friend at all. And so you pick up the phone and you start talking. Girl, do you know what he said to me? I am so sick of the way he treats me. He did, I, you know what? When we first met, he was so good to me. Now he doesn't even buy me flowers. Praise the Lord. Make that song come in your head. Anyway, he doesn't buy me flowers. He doesn't, he doesn't ever just tell me nice things. He doesn't tell me I'm pretty. Right? And here she starts. Why? Because she's tired of hearing it. She just doesn't want to tell you that she's tired of hearing it. Girl, I would kick him to the curb. Maybe you around somebody not so um, city-ish. And maybe she'd say, I don't know why you put up with that. I don't know why you put up with that. You're better than that. You tell him you won't put up with that. You tell him, what are you doing? I mean, think about what you're doing. Because now you're messing in something that God joined together. You're on dangerous ground because now you're dabbling in something you didn't put together. Something so powerful that now you're literally pulling a part of this man away from himself. I want you to get that. And the devil is listening to this conversation. And when you hang up the phone, she starts thinking, hmm, her husband ain't that bad. And he ain't bad looking either. I can't get no amens from this good old quiet church, but can I get an amen from some ladies who have been around? Look, my Aunt Jane is nodding her head. Right? You whispering secrets, wanting somebody to agree with you. And the only thing now the devil is putting thoughts in her mind about how she could be the one by his side instead of you. Oh, my goodness. Praise the Lord. So marriage is so powerful that literally God said to people, so it's not just a piece of paper. And it's not just the law, right? But it's so powerful that two people become one. Become one. So what does it mean to become one? And this is where we're going to end right here. Do you lose your personal goals or identity? No. You don't lose your personal goals or identity. Heather is still Heather. Cordell is still Cordell. I still have, been, have my own call upon my life. He still has his call upon his life. And God has something for us to do. Amen. But what happens is, is that literally you become joined. The fabric of your lives become one. And you become responsible for each other's success. That's what it means to become one. You become responsible for his success. You become responsible for his joy. You become responsible for his peace. So stop all that nagging. Jesus. Men, you're responsible for the joy of your wife. 
Stop with all the pressure, the bad moods, the touchiness. I can't get no amens in here, but it's okay. The what, making people walk on eggshells around you because we're not sure what to say to you. Right? Because nothing seems to be like the right thing. Amen. Praise the Lord. So you're responsible. You become responsible for that other person. It doesn't mean you lose yourself, right? It doesn't mean that you lose who you are. He doesn't, he doesn't expect me to lose who I am to bow down so that all his dreams can come true and none of mine do, right? But instead, you find out it's like those dreams become one. And you say, I'm here to help you see all of your dreams come true. And you're here to help my, all of my dreams come true. And even if the world stands against us, we still have each other. And I know it sounds cliche, but God understands it, right? And the enemy understands it, which is why he attacks it so hard. Amen? Are you getting something out of this today? So you do not lose your personal identity or goals. When a marriage is consummated through intimacy, there is a joining together of two lives, two hearts, two destinies. It's not that you lose yourself, but rather you take on the hopes, dreams, and destinies of another. Amen. Your destiny becomes one. And now, to not see him succeed, I don't succeed. To not see him live in joy and peace, I failed. Because we're so connected. We are so connected in every fabric of our being, from the foundations of the world. When we said, I do, we became so connected that now it is my personal responsibility to serve you. And it is your personal responsibility to serve me as your wife. Doesn't that sound more beautiful than get out of the way and let me have my way and you just do what I say do and we all going to be happy as long as you just submit. Right? But now it is my personal goal in life to see you smile. It is my personal goal in life to make sure that when you come home, you feel protected and you feel covered and you feel like the atmosphere has been prepared for you and vice versa. Amen? So that's what it means when two become one. When you say, well, I don't have that. My husband, he doesn't serve God with me or he just, he's not listening to this. He's not in, in for all of this. He didn't buy in for all of this. Trust God. The word even covers that. And you know what it tells you to do? Stand. That's what the Word tells you. If you have a spouse who isn't serving God, stand. What does that mean? Don't break covenant. Don't break covenant. Amen. Hallelujah. So oneness is something that must be worked at daily. That's why constant, continued intimacy is so important. Amen. And we're going to cover that, and that's going to be it. Hallelujah. So, praise the Lord. You should want your teenagers to hear this. You should want them to know how to expect and what, what God expects out of a marriage. Because, you know, your, your children are going to do what you do, not what you say, right? You know that. We, we're aware. We're fully aware that your children are not going to do just what you tell them to do. But they're going to do what they see you do. Amen? And so, that you need that constantly because that's when that re-refreshing, that re generation, that renewed mindset of we're one comes back together again. Amen? And you have that understanding that I'm here for you, and you're here for me, and God gave you to me. Amen? Praise the Lord. Anybody in here been married longer than 10 years? Longer than 15 years? Praise the Lord. <laughs> He's excited. He has both longer than 20 years? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Longer than 30. Praise God. Longer than 30? No, huh? 25. Praise the Lord. So am I telling the truth then? Amen. She said, yeah. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Amen. So oneness is something that has to be worked at daily. It's during those times the idea or revelation of oneness is refreshed. And oneness is what the devil attacks when he attacks your marriage. He attacks the unity because he is after the oneness. 
He attacks the unity because he's after the oneness. He's not after your money. He's not after you, uh, just after your joy or your peace. That's not his goal. His goal is he wants the oneness. He wants what he cannot have. He wants what he did not give. He wants the oneness. He wants that, that, that thing that you have that makes, him, that makes you so powerful as a couple because Satan understands what we often forget. Two is better than one. Amen. Jesus understood it. He said, I'll send you out two by two. Amen. He understood it. Everything they did was in two. Two is better than one. Deuteronomy 3230, you can just write it down. It says one will put a thousand to flight and two will put ten thousand to flight. One will put a thousand to flight, two will put ten thousand to flight. Satan knows that. So if you're so busy bickering and letting him attack the oneness that God has given you, and now you could care less about her hopes and dreams because she's just on your nerves, and you could care less about his hopes and dreams because you just want to hurt him and make him realize how bad he's making you feel because everything we do, women, is out of emotion. Ding, ding, ding. That's the answer. Right? And so all you want to do is prove each other wrong. And now the oneness has been attacked so greatly that you can't do anything for God because you're so busy you've become each other's enemy. And now the real enemy has gone undetected. And he knows that if you realize what he's done and you two come together and start loving each other and caring about each other and building each other up, he doesn't stand a chance and now you're going to turn on him. And you have the potential to send 10,000 just like him to flight. And so then you take that potential and you go to somebody else and you send 10,000 away out of their life and you go to the next person and you send 10,000 out of their life and then the next couple and now 10,000 are running from them. But as long as you don't protect your oneness, as long as you take it lightly and as long as you're flipping about it, and as long as you let other people have a say-so in your marriage, that's why he said, well, leave your father and mother because they're not supposed to know all your business. I'm going to sit down and amen myself. Amen. You know why? Because you're going to forgive her. Because she's your covenant. She's your one. He's your one. You're going to forgive him. He was stupid. He acted out of anger. He shouldn't have said it, blah, blah, blah. He shouldn't have thrown it. Now he has to buy a new one. Lesson learned, genius. You kicked a dent in the car. Ooh. Now you're on crutches. Reading mail right now. I'm reading mail. The men are like, Stealing sure is black today. <laughs> but you run. Mama, do you know what she said about you? Man, that's what you do. You know what she said about you? She said, I was just like you, and she can't stand me like she can't stand you. Oh, you never been that mad? Thank God my mother-in-law ain't here. <laughs> Woo! Praise the Lord. I love her. <laughs> I do. But, praise God, your mother-in-law is here. <laughs> she has the best mother-in-law. Oh, she has, her mother-in-law is here too. Praise God for family serving God together. <laughs> but you go and you tell your mom, men, you know, She's so stupid. All she wants to do is spend my money, spend my money. She don't know how to save money. She couldn't save money if it's saved. If she sees a new pair of shoes, she's going to buy a new pair of shoes. Now, you ain't saying nothing about the new gun you just bought to go hunting, the new bullets you just bought to go in that new gun. You're not talking about the new boots, the new shoes you just bought because you need them for work because you want them. And so then you're not talking about, you know, you start parting hairs. And you go back and you just tear her down to your mama. And your mama's thinking, this is the heifer I let marry my son. 
I let this heifer, I like that word. Did y'all say that? Heifer. It just does something. Marry my son, my baby. You're not going to let me, you're not going to treat my baby like that. Now you walk away, she gave you sweet eyes and a kiss, and it was all it took. Right? You got love songs and birds tweeting in your ear now. Everything's hunky door, and your mama's still mean mugging whenever she walks through the door. <laughs> he might forgive you, but I know the truth about you now. Am I telling the truth right now? And ladies, you go run, Daddy. I thought he loved me. He threw the coffee pot from one end. All the way, I don't even have a coffee pot. I can't even drink coffee now. He was so mad, he threw everything. He threw, he threw everything. My house was a wreck. I had to clean it. I was scared. I was scared. I was scared. I thought I didn't know what he was going to do. I didn't know. So I ran right over here to tell you, Mama. I, I ran right over here to tell you that I was to protect me, protect me. Oh, he called me. I'm going home. We're going to make things work. That fool thinks he's going to throw stuff at my daughter. He doesn't give you my daughter to throw stuff at him. And now you forgave him. And now you got little birds chirping in your ear and little hearts floating around your head. And I'm so in love. He's the best thing that ever happened to me. And your daddy's thinking, if I catch him by himself, it's on like a chicken bone in here. Your mama's thinking, boy, I'm cutting these vegetables right now. And I will cut you. But that's why he said, leave your father and mother because even they have the potential to distract you from your oneness. They're not made to love him. They're not made to love her. So they don't understand why you can look past. I will never tell a husband to leave, a husband to leave his wife or a wife to leave his husband because that's how sacred it is, a wife to leave his. Mm, husband to leave his wife, wife to leave her husband. Praise the Lord, we don't have any male wives. Okay. <laughs> you don't do it because you're protecting oneness, right? Because the enemy knows that if he can come in and divide, he can conquer. Amen? Let's stand on our feet. We're going to stop right there. Next week, we're going to start talking about now that we've covered the first week and caught everybody up, we're going we're gonna to jump right into uh, your marriage covenant. Amen? For more information about Pastor Heather Ardwin and Faith Christian Worship Center, visit us online at fcwcunis.com. Faith Christian Worship Center, where your impossibilities become God's opportunities.